Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. All right, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about community and the insistence of the gospel that following Jesus cannot be done alone. That is one of the primary things we're trying to get across to you in this message series, that you are not meant to walk in your relationship with Jesus by yourself, um, but that following Jesus will always move you toward other people, right? And our key kind of core passage, many of you are familiar with this, is out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm going to read it very quickly for us uh, so we can kind of let this Uh, cement our hearts together around what we're talking about today. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is kind of our mission as a church, that we want to practice the way of Jesus together in the Chattahoochee Valley and beyond. Our goal, our heartbeat, is that we first and foremost learn what it means to be disciples of Christ, that we are practicing the way of Jesus. Not performing, right? You didn't get saved and suddenly you were capable of operating in all of the gifts and suddenly you were perfectly sinless, right? I mean, every one of us understand this process that we've been invited to practice the way of Jesus, that the Spirit is transforming me from the inside out and that I get to partner with Him in the decisions I make for my life from the outside in. There's a transformational work that's going on with me and the Spirit um, and God is changing me, but we're, we're doing that as a practice, And we're inviting you, rather than carrying the pressure that you need to perfect this thing out of the gate, that you would start practicing with Jesus. You know, I love the stories of the Gospels. They're really, really messy. These guys start to follow Jesus, and it's just messy. There's no, it's not really clean. You know, I love the story where Jesus is asking if he can go and um, stay in this certain place or if they can get food, and they're rejected. And so John simply says, God, let's call down fire to consume them and destroy them. Like, that is part of the Gospels. I don't know if you know of anybody who just, they're ready to fight all the time. Anybody? You just got that one friend who's ready to scrap at the drop of a hat. That is exactly what we see in the Gospels. God calls all kinds of people to follow him. It's not people who have it all together. You know, Peter's cutting a guy's ear off. John's trying to burn people with fire. Judas is skimming money out of the bag. Like, this is Jesus' posse. And so for some of us, when we come into God's presence, a lot of times we feel like, man, i got to have this perfected. And he says, no, I, I just want you to, to stay with me. I want you to learn from me. Take my yoke on you. It's easy and it's light. I'm going to transform you in the process. If you wait around to be perfect, I promise you, you will never do anything with the Lord. Is that right? Those of you who have been walking with Jesus, we just won't ever do anything. So we practice as disciples. Secondly, we do that together as family. We're not by ourselves. We've been talking the last two weeks, this insistent statement that we are better together, that Christ has called us into a body and not just as, we don't believe in reincarnation, right? You aren't the reincarnation of Christ. You're a part of the incarnation of Christ, the body of Christ, which means that you depend on the people around you in order to really follow him and to grow in him. And so we practice as disciples. We do it together as family. 
And we also missionally, we start here. We start in the Chattahoochee Valley and we have a vision for the nations. Uh, And so this is really important to us that we learn how to flow in these rhythms of what it means to be a family of missionary disciples. Uh, And so today we're going to move on from family. And I want to talk to you about the identity that we carry as disciples. Uh, And I believe that this is valuable for your life because discipleship isn't just a Christian thing. Uh, It's not just a religion thing, although maybe that's the only place where we hear that terminology. But discipleship is a human thing. Every single one of us, from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you sleep at night, you are being formed into something and someone different than you were yesterday. Do you know that? It's quiet. It's subtle. In fact, you might not even think that it's true, but my slowly growing muffin top seems to suggest that it's true. Right? There is something happening based on what I'm deciding to do. There is some effect physically. We can see that very easily. You start to work out and you don't feel good and you don't like it. But you do that for months and suddenly you start to build muscle. And if you eat as much ice cream as I have been for nights and nights, you don't immediately feel the effects, but you're going to, right? How much more when it comes to things of the Spirit? How much more when it comes to the decisions we make in community and the decisions we make with how we spend our money and what we focus our time and our energy on? We are, we are making transactions with who we're becoming. And most often we don't realize, we get to a point in our lives where we feel like we're banging our heads against a wall and saying, why can I not seem to get through this? And there are very practical answers behind it. Because you aren't saying or doing or walking in the ways that are forming you into the kind of person who can overcome those things. We're saying and doing and operating in these places that keeps us going in circles and banging our heads against walls. Are you with me? If you keep eating the ice cream, the muffin top is on the way. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Apply it in the spirit. It's equally true, okay? And so we want to talk about what it means to be a disciple because all of us are disciples. Man, whether you're a disciple of Jesus or not, you are a disciple of something or someone. You are becoming something. You are in process with your life. And some of you right now, I can, I can see the ticker tape. Like, what are the things that I focus my time and energy on, you know? Who am I becoming? And that's really the operational question that we want to ask today. Who are you becoming? What is forming you? Because I believe that the three most powerful things that form us are the culture around us, right? If you stay on Fox News or CNN all day, I promise you, you're being formed. You may not know it, but you're being formed. Whatever podcast you're listening to, it's forming you. It's doing something in you, your community and those you do life with. Man, we make excuses for this all the time, but since I was a kid, I have heard that statement ringing true to me, that whoever you surround yourself with is who you're becoming. It's true. It's true. You're actually taking in culturally this person that you're becoming, and thirdly, your own appetites and actions. And so over the next couple of weeks, I have a feeling we're going to come back around to this, and it's not just a one-week kind of thing. Uh, but we want to talk about how we're being formed. C.S. Lewis has this powerful quote, and I believe this comes out of mere Christianity. He writes, each day we are becoming a creature of splendid glory or of unthinkable horror. Each day we are becoming creatures of either splendid glory or of unthinkable horror. And I believe the call for us today as a community, and as we step into communities in particular, I believe it's really important to recognize that who you are becoming has consequence in the earth and that you have a lot of input into who you're becoming. 
as charismatics, uh, for most of us, you may come from a different strain of the church. I come from a very Pentecostal strain of the church, and we depended on altars a lot to shape who we were becoming. The problem is, you know, there's Monday through Saturday also, and I'm becoming someone on those days as well. And God is calling us to be the kind of people that live awake and aware to who we're becoming uh, in order that we don't just arrive at something in 20 years and say, how did I get here? But that we start walking intentionally with Jesus and filling out who he's called us to be and the design in our hearts because of how he's created us. Amen? Um, and so I was reflecting on this of how important worship and transformation are in our society. I don't know if you notice this, like for some of you, you only buy, what is it, like Hearth and Home or something from Target? Is that what it's called? Yeah. What's her name? Of course you know her name. It's tattooed somewhere on your body. You have a small relic erected to her in your, the corner of your house um, because you have this small like idolization of a person and the way that they live, right? Or maybe for you, you are a naturally in shape person, or not naturally, but you love to work out, you know? You see Thor and you're like, that's where I'm headed, Chris Hemsworth, here I come, you know? I'm just trying to grow out my long hair and I'm going to do the whole thing, armor, lightning out of my eyes, all of it, Okay. We all have these kind of people in our lives that we start to like grow this fascination with because in our hearts, every single one of us wants to be molded and shaped and formed into something. We have this desire, and so oftentimes we prop up people in our culture. You know, for some of you who just like comedy, Jimmy Fallon's your guy, and you just want to be funny like Jimmy Fallon. Can I get an amen? Yeah, he's funny. I know for me growing up, I had three people that I really, man, I wanted to be like them. It was, in this order, Indiana Jones... Did you? Nailed it. Well done. James Bond, okay, and my older brother Brent. That was my three in that order. Okay, now wait for it. It's not as sweet as it seems. Um, <laughs> I, I loved the Indiana Jones. He carried a whip, he wore a fedora, and he was an archaeologist. I mean, what more do you need in life, ladies? That was it. That was the whole thing. He had the whole package. He wore the glasses. He was a professor. He taught the class, and then he fought off a tribe of Indians, Come on. Every time I watched, I was like, these are my goals. This is where I'm headed in life. Where do I need to go where I can do archaeology and wear a fedora? I don't know. But I'm headed there. The second one was James Bond. I was so insecure and a little husky was the word used in my family. Um, I, I was insecure around the ladies. And James Bond was not insecure around the ladies. He knew how to talk to women. And I remember growing up thinking, if only I felt more secure talking to women. There it is. I wanted to be like Indiana Jones and James Bond. And then my older brother Brent was just the coolest, most relaxed guy. How many of you had cool older brothers when they weren't beating you senseless? Yeah. He was awesome. He just was comfortable in his own skin everywhere he went. And he was charismatic and he was funny. And I just wanted to be like him. You know, but somewhere in the midst of all of that, I think many of us, we lean into these personas that we want to grow into from the time we're kids and somehow, some of us actually reach those apexes, we become like those people, and we realize how empty it is to try to become like broken people. We realize how empty it is when we take kind of an, uh, uh, an idolatrous perspective on becoming like someone who is flawed in their being. But the invitation that we receive in the gospel is to follow Jesus who is perfect. The invitation that you and I receive, and I don't believe that any of those desires are bad, right? That God, God's actually put a desire in you to become and to be formed and shaped, and it is good. 
It's just misdirected. And I think for all of us, we cling to and we hold on to those people um, that we have idolized in our hearts or our minds because we're searching for who we are and who we're meant to become. And I believe that God is waking us up to what it means to respond to Jesus in the same measure. And that means, guys, that it's so important that you don't know just who Jesus is, but that you're actually becoming like him. In the same way that you can't, you know, watch Jimmy Fallon and just like by osmosis become Jimmy Fallon, you start acting like Jimmy Fallon. You, you're not going to grow into your, your Christ uh, discipleship, your followership of Jesus, unless you begin to walk like Jesus walks. And this is something the Spirit does from the inside, and it's something that we partner with on the outside. Are you with me? And so God is giving us this incredible invitation to become like him. We see this in the scriptures, and uh, I'm just going to mention two places here. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, Jesus says, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. And then again in John 13, verse 12, he says, And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And Jesus says to his disciples, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, listen to the language, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Guys, at the heart of discipleship, or apprenticeship, is someone who is devoted to adopting and practicing the master's way of thinking and living by being with him and becoming like him and doing the stuff that he does. I have this fear growing up in the church and having looked around at people who have fallen away from Christ through the, the course of my life, that for most of us, we aren't interested in discipleship, we're interested in salvation. That we come to Jesus and we want the forgiveness of sins. We want God to cleanse us and to set us free in that measure. I just don't want to live like him. I just don't want to actually do what he says. Because that demands something different. Clean me, yes. Force me to walk with you, no. And I think much of our culture is kind of responding to this call to what it means to be a Christ follower. The means to be a Christ follower is not that you and I would come to these places of worship, have dramatic encounters, and walk out untransformed. The meaning of what it means to be a Christ follower is that we have been saved by grace. We couldn't earn anything from God, and yet God called us by his mercy and his grace. And then that we learn to grow into what it means to be this new creation. This person who is not only wanting to walk in those ways, but is capable of walking in those ways. You know, I, this incredible quote comes to my mind that the grace of God is not the same as the mercy of God. The grace of God is not just you being delivered from sin. It is the empowerment to do what you were incapable of doing before by the work of God in your life. And for some of us, we come to the scriptures and we continue to say, I can't do this. And Jesus says, by my blood and by my spirit, you can. Because it is not according to your sin. It's not according to your works. It's by my spirit that these things are able to be done. There's a transformation. Eugene Peterson writes it like this. He says, disciples, or in the Greek it's this word mathetes, 
They are people who spend their lives apprenticed to the master, Jesus Christ. He says, we are in a growing learning relationship always. And a disciple, a disciple is a learner, but not in the academic setting of a schoolroom, rather at the work site of a craftsman. We don't acquire information about God, but skills in faith. How many of you would like to have skills in faith? When you come up to that situation that you need to have faith to believe in, man, disciples of Jesus are following the master to learn the answer and how to walk through that. Information does not transfer into that. A life of discipleship where you are living in intimacy and proximity uh, and closeness with Jesus, it does. You know, I have been impressed to believe that when we come here on Sunday mornings, that we are not worshiping a distant God, but a present God, that he's with us, that the Spirit of God is here, the Spirit of Jesus is in the room. He resides in my heart. He resides in the room. He has authored this whole thing called the world. And somehow that changes my posture and the way that I interact with him. And so my question to you this morning is, what does it look like to be a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus? Firstly, I think it means that we are to be intentional to be with Jesus, to be with him, not, not just to come to church. Great, man, if there's a running checklist of spiritual activities for this week, you nailed this one, right? Got it. The problem is it doesn't necessarily mean that you've been with Jesus. Am I right? It is possible for us to actually go in these spiritual circles without any real connection with the Lord, and then these places become really unhealthy for us, if that's the case. If you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not walking with the Spirit. See, to be a disciple or to be a follower of Jesus means that we actually have to follow him. Uh, a couple years ago, we went to the beach, and Lily and I, um, I don't do these things, okay? So I realized from the beginning this was pretty haphazard. My buddy, I was staying with him, Mike McGarvey, who's a pastor over at Evangel, and um, he said, hey, me and Judah are going to go on a sea ride or a jet ski ride, uh, and we're going to take it out to some island from the beach to this island way out. And I was like, this is a terrible idea. We are in, you know, like we, I just have this thing where I don't like to do a whole lot of stuff extra. And so I, I was pushing myself for my daughter. Okay. That's what was happening. So we get out and uh, I am at the back of the line. And at first that feels comforting, like not a lot of performance that I need to do. I don't need to look like I know what I'm doing on a jet ski. Um, and we get out into this little bay area from the beach, headed out. And there's like 15 jet skis. And I'm already a little insecure with the process here. And it is really wavy. Not like kind of wavy, like really wavy. And for those of you who are familiar with jet skis, like you are on a, a, a water pony, okay? And the water pony goes with the road. And so when the waves are going, you're going down into the troughs and back up to the top and down into the troughs. And every time we go down, like a tidal wave just comes over our heads and Lily is crying and screaming and clutching me. And I'm playing it cool, but I'm not much better. I'm like, we're going to die. And I look up and I realize, I don't know where the group went. We got out and the waves were so big, they just kept flying and we were just drowning, you know, in the middle of this channel. And I just, by faith, gunned it straight and found them like five minutes later. But I thought we were going to die, you know. I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to get back. I don't even know how to get back to the dock from where we're at. And, I, you know, in reflection on that, I lost sight of the people in front of me because I wasn't close enough to them. I didn't have any idea of where they had tracked. I didn't know where they were headed. And so I couldn't really follow them with my whole heart. And most of us live our life with Jesus like that. 
we get out and we hit these troughs and we hit these peaks and we're going up and down. And before we know it, we look up and we say, I don't know. I don't know where he is. And it's not like Jesus is trailing off and leaving you. But it is like, man, we, we, have, to, we have to be aware and conscientious of where we're going, who we're following. Jesus is the perfect one to follow. But what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that you are following him and you're staying on his heels. And the fear that I have in my heart is that it is possible to go to church and to read the Bible and to still live untransformed. It's possible. If you grew up in the church, you were surrounded maybe by people who maybe you saw the same thing. Yes, very spiritual activity. Sunday mornings in the scripture, Sunday mornings at church, Monday mornings ruthless fights, you know, with your wife, or families being devoured by divorce, or infidelity, or alcoholism, or, 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 or. It is possible to do spiritual activity and yet to remain untransformed, but that is not your story. And I want you to hear that this morning, that the story of people who are following Jesus in radical pursuit are the very same as the apostles who were, who were transformed, shaped by the glory of God, who learned what it was to hunger for the presence of God. And they didn't live life disconnected from this transformational process, but because of their hunger and their faith, and because of the Lord's grace, you will live different. And for some of you this morning, you just need to know that people believe in you, that you can live differently, that you don't have to live out the same rhythms and forms that you've seen in your family history. You don't. Those cycles can break with you. You don't have to live the same way as the culture around you. The cycle can break with you. By the Spirit, God is doing a new thing. Listen, our culture isn't short of churchgoers and people who know the Scripture. Our culture is short on born-again sons and daughters of God who live transformed. And the Scripture is part of that and prayer is part of that. I'm not making those, you know, things that just go one direction. I'm telling you that God demands transformation. He demands it. There's that parable, do you guys remember where The owner of the house is inviting everyone into a party. And the servants in the kingdom won't come. They're too busy. He keeps inviting them. And the servants come back and he said, they say they're too busy. And he says, okay, go instead and find the people in the highways and the byways. Ask them to come in. The people who don't belong, the blind, the crippled, the lame, get them all in. I want my house full for this party. In the very end, the house is full. And it says the master is walking around greeting the guests. And he looks at one and he sees that he hasn't changed his clothes. Y'all remember that parable? Like he has, he has liberally invited everybody in. There's nobody he's excluding. He's bringing them all in. Whoever would say yes, they're invited. But he demands that your clothes change. God demands transformation. He demands a return on what he's done in you. He demands a return on the kingdom of God at work in you and I. Paul Thomas at Evangel Temple would always say, do you know the Lord and has he changed your life? Too many times we stop at do you know him and we don't ask, has he changed you? Has he reshaped the way that you see life in the world? Has he reshaped the way that you work, man, your work ethic? If your work ethic is lousy, maybe you need to question that. What does it mean to be a person of faith and lazy? Like, there's an account for the way that you work. There's an account for the way you spend money. And if you try to cheat on your taxes, there's an account for that. I went to a Bible college. I watched people cheat on tests at a Bible college. You know how uncomfortable that is? I remember sitting across the room like, you're an idiot. Like, that is dumb. (laughs) You know, Jesus is here. This is about him. 
You're cheating on a Bible exam. <laughs> Wake up, you know. <laughs> Just let it simmer, you know. Look, Jesus is calling for followers, not just fans. He wants changed ones. Not people calling for heaven and living like hell. He wants people who have been changed. The world around you, the culture around you, the greatest witness of your life is the transformation that the Lord pulls out off in you by his spirit. Are you changing? Are you? Are you being shaped? Are you allowing yourself to be transformed in his presence? You know, in the ancient Near East, to be a disciple of a rabbi meant a couple of things. It meant that you were becoming your rabbi, um, but it meant it in these couple of ways. Number one, that you were surrendering your way of life. To be a disciple means that your way of life is over. And the way of your rabbi, that is the way that you live. In fact, they would do these interesting things. They, they talked about carrying the yoke of your rabbi. Now, in in those cultures, they still use oxen to plow, and in many farming, agriculture, agricultural cultures, if they still use oxen anywhere, maybe Amish country, I don't know, uh, they yoke oxen together with this wooden necklace, right? And so you've got these two oxen, and you can imagine if you have a really big, strong ox and a weak ox, like a baby ox, and you strap them together with a, a wooden collar, what do you think happens? Hit me with it. Big strong ox, little baby ox. What happens? Say it again. Yeah, the big one just drags the little one around. Just hanging limply along. You know, we went and saw Toy Story this weekend. I don't want to spoil it for you. But there, the funniest scene is him dragging this little fork. And then he's just dragging his legs. And every once in a while he steps up and takes some steps. And then he's dragged along again. That is the picture of a big strong ox dragging a little ox. This weak one, this strong one. And the pace is totally set by the big strong one. And the, the idea behind being a disciple was that you were linked to the teaching and the way of life of your rabbi. That the way that they lived, you were linked to it. And so if somebody was strong but not merciful, what would happen to you? Well, it'd be like a Pharisee who has a lot of rules and laws but no mercy. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means that you enter into this this discipleship relationship where you're linked up with a God who gives you rest and mercy. He says, come to me. My yoke is easy and it's light. It's not burdensome like the lawgivers who just keep adding rules and laws so that you can be perfect. He says, be linked up with me. Secondly, so they would surrender their way of life. Secondly, they would commit to a life of intimacy, of closeness. They had this saying that to be a disciple meant that you were covered in the dust of your rabbi. You guys ever heard that saying? You're covered in the dust of your rabbi. I don't know if you've ever done any like trail running or you've been on a dirt road on a windy day and the, the uh, dust stirs up and it gets all over you. How many of you have experienced that before? The picture here in an ancient Near East culture where there's no paved roads is that your rabbi is walking at such a pace and you want to be so closely related, so intimate with him that you're at his heels. And so what do you think happens? The, the dirt from your rabbi's feet would brush up and it would cover your clothes in dirt. And so when you got to a town, they'd say, ah, he's covered in the dust of his rabbi. In other words, he is devoted to following in the way of the person who's leading him. You know, for many of us, I think the invitation is really clear that God wants us to learn what it is to surrender our way of living and to take on his. 
And he wants us to live so closely connected with him, so uh, closely in proximity to him, that it changes the way that we live. How many of you experienced that in worship this morning? Just those quiet moments uh, as we were standing in worship. How many of you just felt like the presence of God was here? Anybody? You know what happens? That's proximity. You've moved in close. You're waiting on him. You're with him. And Jesus calls us to this kind of close walk with him. And so I want to encourage you guys today that discipleship demands proximity and time and intimacy. You know, I think of the story of Peter and John after they're like boldly proclaiming the gospel. And the Sanhedrin arrests them for healing a man and proclaiming the gospel. And they say, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And their response is simply, should we follow God or you? And when they left, what the Sanhedrin had to say about them was this. These guys have been with Jesus. The only notation on their life in that moment was whatever boldness and authority and love they were walking in, that it looked exactly like Jesus. You know, when I read that passage of Scripture, I have to step away and ask, what do people say when I leave a room? Is it, man, he's great? Or is it, he's been with Jesus? There's so much peace and humility in his life. There's so much love at work in him. I think that guy has been with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I think we need to ask ourselves, what is the impact that we are having on other people by how we are devoting ourselves to Jesus? He's not calling us just to be people who are fans at a distance. He's calling us to be followers who are close. He's calling us to be people who are connected intimately with him. And so the question I have for you this morning is, are you spending time with Jesus? Secondly, do you guys have four or five more minutes for me? You good? You sure? So we will close this puppy up now, if not. Secondly, I'll move quickly. Are you becoming more like him? Yes, are you spending time intentionally with him? And you know, one of the practical things about that is just go out in the mornings with no phone, no TV, no radio, before you do anything else. Sit down with a cup of coffee if you're a normal person, or a cup of tea if you're that kind. Uh, and just sit in silence with Jesus. And for some of you, it feels like such an extreme thing. How many of you love extremes? You're like, yeah, me too. I go from black to white. It's got to be like broad swings. And I think one of the things God wants us to do is just begin. Just start. Start small. Start somewhere. Start with your cup of coffee and silence and open the scripture and read a paragraph of Mark and how Jesus is just working with people. And just spend time listening doesn't have to be fancy. I, I convinced myself a few years ago, it doesn't have to feel really effective and productive. It needs to be a conversation with a friend and I, where I open my heart and I let him change me. And for some of you, that is the best starting place for you. You just go out and spend the first fruits of your morning in silence, just waiting on him. Just sit and listen. Are you with me? You would be um, blown away at how much that little bit of time will begin to shape you and how you'll long and hunger for more of that and more of that as you spend time with him. Okay, so secondly was, are you becoming more like Jesus? Um, you know, if your kid, how many of you have kids in the room? If your child just stopped growing tomorrow, like for the next five years, they just, there was no growth physically, they just stopped growing. Mentally stopped growing, they stopped communicating. Um, wouldn't you think there's something wrong? Would that be an indication that something is a little off? Yeah, a little bit? Wouldn't freak some of you out? You're like, no, totally. We're totally into people who don't grow at all. 
Oh, just keep them around small and, you know, wordless. That's fine. Uh, you always hear moms say, I just wish they'd stay this size. <laughs> You're like, do you? Like, this little human just goes to the bathroom on itself all day long and needs you for food. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure you want this type of dependent relationship? Um, but yeah, we, we would be freaked out if a child stopped growing for five years, didn't communicate. But somehow, in faith, we don't act like there's any big deal. People can not grow for 10 years. We don't even think about it. Just kind of walk out. Think, yeah, this, that's church. Baloney. Baloney. We should be upset when we see people and just say, that they have not grown in years. There's been no growth. There's been no dimension of maturity or faith developed in their lives. What would it be like if our expectation was set in the same way in the physical realm? The physical realm is just a nice shadow of the fullness. When we see people not growing in the physical and we look over in the spiritual, we have to have the same anticipation. Man, if I'm not growing, something's wrong. And if you can look in your life and say, I'm not growing, must just be a desert season. Yeah, it's been like 20 years, you know, like you need to, it's time to come out of the desert. Maybe there's a different issue. Are you with me? I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just saying, maybe there's something else going on. We have to place demands on growth because we believe that by the work of the Spirit, we are growing. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's not you adding cool new practices to the same old dead flesh. It is the death to the old person, and it is a revolution of the Spirit in your life where you are brand new. He finishes it by saying the old has gone and the new has come. Not, not business as usual, not faith plus whatever else. Transformed life. And I want to ask you this morning, are you becoming like him? When you look at the life of Jesus, are you becoming like him? And if you can honestly answer no, then I would suggest this. First to ask, have I surrendered my life to him? Do I belong to Jesus? Does he call the shots in my life? When was the last time on a Monday the Holy Spirit could interrupt you and do whatever he wanted? It's a good question. It's a good question for those of us who have been in faith for a long time to ask. When was the last time the Holy Spirit could change what I was up to? So have I surrendered? And secondly, if I'm not growing and I have surrendered, then what is the obstacle in my life that's keeping me from moving forward? My suspicion that for many of us is it's a lack of community. It's a lack of people who are also speaking into your life saying this is an issue. You know what I see in relationships, uh, you know, doing young adult ministry for years and years. I just constantly saw that people loved community until you disagreed with them. And when you disagreed with them, community suddenly became intolerable. How dare they think differently than me? How dare they think they have any kind of authority to talk to me about sin? How dare they? How dare you? think that you have authority over your own life if you belong to Jesus? How dare you think that you can live this thing alone? It is a risky business to feel like you can go out into the world every single day and be transformed on this island by yourself. God has not formed you like that. He hasn't created you like that. You are not the reincarnation of Jesus. You're not that good. <laughs> we need people. We need people. I can't tell you the number of times where people have come into my life at the exact right moment when I thought, man, I will drown in faith if I don't have somebody come alongside of me and speak a word that was so timely and so sharpened by the Spirit of God that it shaped and it formed something in me, cut off a dead root. 
And for some of you this morning, it's just you feel the dead roots and God is cutting to the depth of them. But he's inviting you into a place where you can grow. And it's going to look sticky. It looks like community, man. It looks like people who, who keep asking you if you're okay when you don't want to be asked if you're okay because you're not. And they keep coming. They keep praying for you and asking, how you doing? And they keep talking to you, to you about whether or not you're surrendered to the Spirit today or if you're loving your wife in a way that looks like Jesus or if you're submitting yourself to your husband and respecting him in the way that it just shows Jesus. That takes people. But here's what I'm convinced of. Most of us don't live like that. The vast majority of us don't have people that we trust to be intentional in our discipleship with. My buddy Robbie and Jessica are here from Atlanta. Robbie's one of those guys. He calls me. He can ask me really hard questions. And we have cultivated through years of just saying, I think you're wrong. I think we've come to the place. But it took years, right? Probably took some really hard stuff, some fires that we went through to be able to say, I think you're wrong. I think the Spirit's saying something different. Who do you have? Who's in your corner who's saying, are you growing? Are you growing in the Scripture? Are you growing in the Spirit? Um, I met Rick this morning talking about intercessory prayer. I know very little about intercessory prayer. I'm just being honest with you. I want to grow in that. I need community. I need people who can teach me and show me the way in that. I love the prophetic voice. I want to grow in that. I can't do that alone. That's the Lord and his people. Are you with me? And God has sent a bunch of prophetic people. It's, it's awesome. Lord knows what I need. This church is really just for me to be developed, and you guys are just along for the journey. Clearly. I'm just kidding. All right. I got more notes and I got time. Thank you, David. Are you becoming like him? I want you to do something. Close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself the question, in the last five years, have I grown? Have I really grown in my discipleship to Jesus? Can he tell me to do anything and I'll do it? I'm going to tell the story, and it's kind of funny to just loosen this moment up, so keep your eyes closed. Years ago, we were at, in Anderson. My dad was pastoring a church there, and uh, they put this gymnastics. Uh, it was the pommel horse. You guys know that gymnastics event? It's like a five-foot device with a springboard, and they spring over it and do flips. And I thought, we just had kids, and we were just kind of hopping over, and I thought, no, 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 I have seen this on TV. I know precisely how this works. And in my mind thought, I'm going to do a split right over the top of this pommel horse. Uh, And so I ran full steam from one side of a gymnasium to the other, hit that board as hard as I could, and when I sprang up over that pommel horse, I caught both big toes on the top, (laughs) and pendulum swung my body to the ground and slammed my face into the concrete floor. (laughs) Funny, huh? It's time we stop doing this in the spirit. And we start actually practicing what it means to be the kind of people who can say yes to whatever he asks, whenever he asks, and that we're becoming like him.